Tyrell's FC Show, episode 101. I'm joined today by Lucas. Hi, Lucas. How's it going? Good. Uh, you know, hanging in there with a crazy, crazy few weeks of soccer, which is a great problem to have. Uh, how are you? Yeah, same. Not as busy as you, but still busy enough to be like, oh, I have soccer work to do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how it went from we had no soccer <laughs> and we were talking about like Bundesliga coming back and then there's just games nonstop. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. And it's fun. Can't believe like a whole month has gone by and now it's like, oh, we have a final to look forward to. I know. There's only one game left, which is a little sad. It is very sad. But MLS is playing. That's exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I I can barely watch the RSL games because it's just it's all too much for me. Yeah. And then is English Premier done? I've lost track, honestly. Oh no! I did want to bring this up. There's one more game left. Oh. Spurs play at nine a.m. my time. So what's that like? Ten yours? Yeah. Ten. Yeah. yeah. You have just enough time to watch it, and then like immediately. The uh, NWSL Challenge Cup final will start. This is on Sunday. On Sunday. Um, but Wait. what's exciting is Spurs will finish above Arsenal for like the fourth or fifth year in a row. You know what's so funny about that? It's like, you know, Spurs probably had a terrible season. Um, I think, what, yeah. in the past five, six, seven years? They what? Well, Sorry. Like they've had a like it's one of their war seasons in the first yeah. what five years because yeah and they're like but it doesn't matter we finished above arsenal we win <laughs> i mean when it became clear they weren't going to make top four the only goal became to finish above arsenal so that's it Goals. so for all all of our listeners who are huge uh NWSL fans we just wanted to share a little bit about tottenham hotspur Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Come um, on, you Spurs. You, no one probably cares. <laughs> um, Megan used to, but then she became a Liverpool fan, um, sadly. Yeah. Okay, so the NWSL Championship is on. Is in the morning? Uh, yes, it is okay. at 10.30 a.m., I believe, Mountain Time. Okay, so that means we're going to have, like, a bunch of – Wow, it's going to be a very fun Sunday where I won't go to church. <laughs> well, you know, priorities need to take place. Yeah, we have live streams now. I can have like the two games and then my pastor preaching. It'll be great. Um, he might be muted though, so I'm so glad my pastor does not listen to this. Um, he would actually laugh. Anyway, shall we... <laughs> Shall we chat about the latest Utah Royals FC news? Obviously, if you missed it, in case you missed it, Utah has been eliminated from the Challenge Cup uh, in a very sad fashion, in PK fashion. They fell 3-2 to two in PKs last Friday following a 0-0 draw. Lucas, you were there. Um obviously busy taking photos, but what was your, and you had a chance to rewatch the game. What was your just like impression of the game? What was good? What were like some positives 
from that game. I felt like the team had good energy. It it did seem like they they created a number of really good chances. Um, I also think the three back system is is really fun and has actually worked really well. Um, you know, they've only conceded like one goal outside of that um, that initial Houston game, um, and I think that is actually a huge success of not only this game, but of the tournament. Yeah. And for, I mean, before the whole tournament started, there was so much doubt on Utah. I was like, oh, they're going to do so bad. They have a new head coach. They don't have Kristen Press. It's just not going to look good. And actually, I think they were a fun team to watch. Um, I, you know, the first game was super exciting and this game, I thought so too. Like, I thought they had that energy level. Still, the problem was being clinical enough to finish. So that's unfortunate um, because that's like a ghost that just keeps haunting Utah. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I think I think because I saw what a disaster the three the three back system was when Joe Ellis implemented it with the U.S. national team. When I heard Craig was going to do that, I was like, ooh, are you sure about this? <laughs> it, like, failed in the national team level. And you're talking about the Women World Cup, like, not at the time, but, like, yeah, actually, like, a year after they implemented that system. And it was, like, a total failure. So I have, like, nightmares about playing three-back. But Yeah, I mean, the I think – Three, the three-back system can be a little bit easier to pull off at the club level just because you spend so much more time together. You've got, you know, regular repetition in games. I think debuting it in a tournament is actually a pretty bold move, and I don't really think that that was Mm-mm. the problem for the Royals. Mm-mm. I don't think so at all. And I think it really does help to have really good young outside backs like Elizabeth Ball, who is amazing i think after watching her this season that's someone who definitely impressed and hopefully has a long future with utah um becky when you have ball yeah becky who (laughs) yeah but who usually played left like who usually played in three back i'm trying to remember so corsi was in the center yeah and then um kate uh delfava was often more on the left side and ball and sometimes um gunny would be in the right okay and then i think uh yeah who didn't who played when um because uh delfava didn't play every game who came in when she wasn't there well we we saw leech in one game yeah and i know uh weber played a lot but i don't think she was on the back line which I don't is think so more her natural position yeah oh i don't i can't I think remember it was just leech and delfava maybe i think so i think you're I'm right sure, i'm sure the listeners are like really stoked that we're <laughs> figuring this out on the fly yeah no um but yeah who uh before we went get to the uh i guess we could talk a little well Let's keep it up. Who impressed you in that game? Hmm. 
I think Loeb, mm-hmm. I think Loeb played well. Um, I think Gunny actually did a pretty solid job of coming in like 13 minutes into the game. I think that's mm-hmm. difficult. I don't think her best position position is on the in that back line. Mm-hmm. Um, like she did have a mistake that almost cost a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think um, I don't know. I I really was stoked to see Kelly O'Hara back out there. Mm-hmm. I think she had some good moments, but mm-hmm. has been out for a long time. So I think I was like impressed to see her get a start. I don't know if she quite performed to her best. Mm-hmm. Who impressed you? Um, who impressed me? You know, I think Corsi did pretty good back there. Um, and then up until Ball like got hurt, which I was like, no. Um, yeah, I, I think it goes back to how impressed we've been with the three back. Vero's always good. Like she's always creating something very, very, very energetic. Um, yeah. Who else? Who else? Who else? It's like, well, that was like last week, and my brain's like, oh, that was a while back. I mean, that game feels like forever ago. <laughs> it does. It really does. Um, I think so, Weber yeah. had some really good moments. I, I know, yeah. I, you know, I've seen some negativity around her. I think, I think she adds quite a bit. She's pretty fast. Um, mm-hmm. She she can contribute both in the offense and the defense, um, and she might have had the best chance of the game for the Royals and uh, Jane Campbell, who is decent, uh, had a big save. Yeah. Yeah. What did you, um, I did Abby Smith did pretty good too. kept the clean sheet. I think that was what they were hoping for. I think they've had a few clean. I'm trying other than. Yeah. So I think the goal was to have a clean sheet. Yeah, they played. They played four games, and they had two two clean sheets. Yeah, is that yeah. right? Yeah, um, and both of those were Abby. Um, the first game was you know that three three draw against Houston. Um, it was just yeah goal fest, um, and that was super fun. Honestly, that that game was just bananas. Um, and then she played in the next game where the rails won one zero and I think that was over Sky Blue and they lost one zero to um or did they draw and then lose? It's all muddled together. I can't remember getting now. But yeah, she uh she was yeah she was in goal for the loss against Chicago. Okay. But she did pretty good this game, I think, because um, there were a few chances where Houston got a little bit too close. And yeah, she so, had some big moments. I, I think she played well. She did like, too. For me, I I'm really I think she's the future, and it's exciting to see mm-hmm. see her get minutes. Yeah, biased because she's been on the show so many times, but I'm fine with mm-hmm. that. I'll just be honest <laughs> about it. It's true, Abby Smith. We stand, Abby Smith. <laughs> That's right, we do. If anyone says anything negative, we will come after you online. With our pitchforks. 
um she did have so one really interesting moment early on was in like the sixth minute when oh, i can't remember which houston player but they're kind of through she comes out of her box um and she's yeah she's actually in the area but takes the player down gets a yellow card for it but the up, offside flag had been raised hmm. and it was within it was in the box so it should have either been like a a penalty or possibly a red card if it was like outside of the box or nothing should have happened at all because she, the, the dash player was offside. So Mm. super weird moment. Yeah. I've wondered about that one where I was like, Oh no, that's a PK. Um, Is that the one we're talking about? That's the one we're talking about, right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Just so we're on the same page. Um, but yeah, and I'm trying to remember if that's something that she's been like, maybe she just came off her line way too much and that was like dangerous or if it was the opposite. Do you remember from 2018? I was like forever ago, but um, either she came off her line way too much or didn't and both were dangerous. But I'm trying to think it's coming off her line a little bit too much when not necessary. Yeah, it feels like in 2018, there were a couple times where she came off her line and got scored on. Mm. This, it might have been a little bit too aggressive, but honestly, the result was well worth it. You know, a yellow card um, and, you know, a free kick outside the box is kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, it's worth the cost of not conceding. Mm -hmm. But. I don't know. Maybe someone who knows more about uh, refereeing can speak to this better, but it did mm-hmm. seem like that was not the correct call from the official uh, from the officials. Yeah, and there was actually it was there was like talk among the media that was like, "Well, we wanted this addressed, and it was not something yeah. that was addressed." Shade. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. So. Um, you know, a game that ends three to two on PKs, really you have to focus on what went wrong. Well, the PKs is what went wrong. Um, and you rewatched those PKs, and I think I have like a list of who missed and who made it. And it's very sad to hear, to see, because I'm like, oh, PKs. But I don't know. Have, did they practice PKs? Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Surely, so, in this, surely you're practicing penalty kicks if the tournament ends, you know, even at, mm-hmm. you immediately go to penalty kicks. Like, yeah. it'd be crazy not to. I mean, I always did in my backyard pretending I was like in the World Cup final and I was <laughs> up to score the goal to win the World Cup. I mean, clearly. <laughs> I, I remember like staying late after a Royals practice and talking. Was there? I think I spoke to maybe Gabby Vincent or Rachel Corsi after practice one day, and Becky was just blasting penalties. Like, wow. and I think I heard her talk about. I think maybe it was when she was on Natum's podcast. Um, oh yeah, kickback with Natum Nwaha. Um, I think I mispronounced his last name. I'm just gonna roll with it. Uh, if you don't listen to that, you know. They he he is a competitor of ours, but uh, mm-hmm. he has had so many great um, guests on and a lot 
um, from the Royals. So mm-hmm. very much recommend checking it out. He had um, uh, Zara King on recently. He had Michelle Maimon on recently, uh, Rachel Corsi, Amy Rodriguez, and also Becky Sauerbrunn. It was like pretty shortly after she got traded, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they're both center backs. And so they were, I think, talking about penalty kicks. Uh, and she practices because, you know, in case she ever has to take one. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, how else is Becky going to score a goal? <laughs> With her head against Portland. That's true. Boom. Um, all right. So this PK situation on Friday yeah. night. Um we, we have A-Rod, and you're like, okay, A-Rod. It's A-Rod. She's going to score this, right? She's a legend. She is. But she misses because it hits the top of the crossbar, if I remember correctly. Yes. Hits the and, bar. It sails, you know, yeah. tumbles into the air. Mm. Painful. It's but it's painful. okay. There's four more to go. There's four more to go. Schmidt from, I think that's how you pronounce her name, from Houston okay. comes up. Yeah. She scores. You're like, oh, okay. All right. We, we, we're still good. Okay. But then the one, the only, the MVP of the tournament for Utah, I think, Lola Banta scores. You're like, all right, 1-1. One, one, Woo-woo. Puts it away. The Royals are back in it. Mm-hmm. Up, near, up next, Christine Nairn. And I'm like hoping for a miss. And what happens? She makes it. Yep. And then up next, you have the legend, the Scottish captain, Rachel Corsi, up to take the next PK. She's ready. But unfortunately, it is blocked by Jane Campbell. So now we're a little bit. We're in a little bit of a pickle here. Rachel Daly comes up, who I believe may be the MVP of the tournament. But what happens? She scores. So right there and there, you're like, okay, Sierra King is up. She's got to make it or Utah wins. Utah is I'm out. sorry. I'm sorry, you're right. It's out. Um, but I wish she's that were the case. <laughs> Me too. She slots it in. We're good. We're good. And then Vasali for Houston comes up. This is Abby Smith's moment. Blocks it. There is a chance. There is hope for Utah. Especially when the next kicker is the one and the only. My Spanish sister. Hmm. <laughs> Vero Boquete. All-time leading goal scorer for the Spanish national team. Woo! Arriba! I don't even know if that's what they say. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jane Campbell steps up, blocks it. It's a win, 3-2 in PKs. So what went wrong? Lots went wrong. Three of the kickers of the players that you would think would have a – would get it in, the veterans of – you know, of this team are the ones who miss. And that was it. That was the end. Yeah. It kind of feels like a microcosm of like Utah's problems throughout their time is just not, 
not being able to score when you think like you have the quality to put away some of these some of these chances. Yeah. A reflection up until the end. And just A Rod and Vero not scoring their 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 penalties is kind of crazy because they are when yeah, when press is gone, like they are the two best attacking players. Yeah. And when press yeah. is there, they're you know, two of the three best attacking players mm-hmm. on the team. Um Mm-hmm. You you have to know, like going back, I think they they still have a really good chance to do well, and I think it's huge that Smith saves a goal. Isn't wasn't it like Brianna Scurry about the ninety nine shootout? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about all she was trying to do was save one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she did. Yeah, and I think she got a hand of one. Like it almost looked like she was going to block it. She guessed right. And I thought she had blocked yeah. it, but I think it's just like there might have been like a deflection off of her and it actually went in. Um, that's was my perspective that I saw. But yeah, it's, you know, um, PKs are always very unfair and that's the way Utah's uh, Challenge Cup ended. And now, yeah. So, where does Utah go from here, Lucas? What what we obviously saw a team led by Craig Harrington, their new head coach, and I think he's he's a very smart coach. Knew exactly what he wanted to implement. Knew exactly the kind of players he wanted to put out there. But a lot of those players are players he inherited, um, that Utah inherited from Kansas City. And he inherited from Laura Harvey. So, yeah. Where do you think Utah goes from here after this Challenge Cup? You know, it's hard to say. It. I think pursuing um, Mario is, is a real sign that the club is ambitious and wants to bring in big players. Um, I would think that that was a player that was in the works before Craig, um, you know, got the job. So he probably didn't have input there. That's just a guess. I, you know, I haven't heard that officially. Um, but to me, that that's that's really hopeful that they are willing to use, you know, their three hundred thousand dollars in allocation money and really go after um, players that. You know, some of the names I've heard could make the Royals a really, really solid um, team in this league and should definitely put them in playoff contention regularly. Um, but we also, we don't know if there will be more of a season this year, what the season will look like next year. Um, if you're a player who's in Europe, would you want to come to the U.S. right now with the way we're handling COVID-19? <laughs> no. Like, part of me wants to ask Bowen, like, do you wish you were home right now? Like, are you going to go home and just not come back until this thing is done? Because mm-hmm. New Zealand has it figured out. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I think 
I, I still don't know how to evaluate the importance of the challenge cup. Hmm. Like, are you, are you bummed that you didn't win it? Like, is this going to be remembered as like a really valuable trophy or was this, you know, a time to like learn and experiment. And if you're a new mm-hmm. coach, um, not winning this sort of strange, like tournament that is exists in response to a global pandemic might mm-hmm. feel okay. Um, but on the other, on the other hand, it is disappointing to go out at the first possible chance. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like, you were so excited for like the U.S. T- um, or for me, like it was always excited for like the U.S. and Mexico to make the f- round of 16. And then they never like, – yeah, I don't think they got past it. I think the U.S. might have passed to get to the quarterfinals, but, you know. Um, talking, about, talking about the men's team? Yeah, sorry, the men's team. Um, But, yeah, I think it is disappointing if – you get to a spot where um, you don't finish near the bottom. You're like in the bottom half, but not, you know, not like Portland, which was shocking in itself because you wouldn't have expected Portland or Chicago to finish, you know, in the bottom. Um, But yeah. um, I mean, if this is the competition for 2020 um, as the whole league gathers there is going to be some kind of um you know bragging rights i guess if you want to call it mm-hmm. um because you won the only full like league nwsl competition but yeah and i and i think that's what i said at the beginning of this whole tournament is like if anything this just is going to give Craig Harrington an opportunity to see what works and what doesn't work. And I think now he can go to the the drawing board and figure out how he's going to approach 2021 and what kind of players he's going to keep trade. Um, Eventually it has to be his team and not, you know, a reflection of, FC Kansas City or even um, Alora Harvey Royals team. So I think Utah just has to figure out what to do because he also got to see that the attack, which is was very flat at some point, apart the, I mean, for the first game, we saw the glimpses of, okay, this team can score. But then after the Sky Blue game, they just – it looked flat all over again and they could not finish. And you need that striker um, besides Amy Rodriguez. That's why North Carolina is so good because it's not just Lynn Williams. It's – they have Dabinia and Sam Mewis and Chris O'Dunn. And, you know, there are a thousand attackers that – can play. I mean, like Abby Ursig score a goal. Like if your defender scoring a goal, you'd know you're a good team. Um. So, yeah, back to the drawing board for Utah as far as where they go from here. So yeah, I mean, 
it's hard because I I feel like I feel like there are good attackers. I feel like there are good players in every you know every part of the field for the Royals. Um, but you know to score four goals in the first two games and then in the next three games not score at all is a big problem. Um, and yeah, I I don't know if it's like yeah, I think Kristen Press over um Brittany Ratcliffe or probably almost any other name you could name in in the women's game is going to be a step down, you know, like without her there is massive. This tournament I think goes really differently if you can have Desiree Scott and Kristen Press there. Um and so maybe part of it is a depth issue like hmm. um but yeah, I think to your point, it's sort of hard to to complain about death depth, and then you see like the depth that um, uh, the courage have, which is just absurd. Right, right, yeah, and you forgot Kelly O'Hara too, who wasn't like a hundred percent for this tournament. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely. Yeah, there's just not enough depth in there because you lose your star striker. It pretty much all comes down to Amy Rodriguez. Um, so, yeah. Um, I guess we'll just wait and see what happens mm-hmm. after the tournament. Um, yeah, and we don't really know what's next. There's... Mm-mm. I know there has absolutely been talk about continuing a season. Um, Lisa Baird shut down the idea that that would be um, a bubble format. Like, I I don't think this is feasible to do again Um, because it has been really hard on the players. It's hard to pull off. It's super complicated. Um, So I think you know, we might see something like we're seeing in uh, the USL um, on the men's side where, you know, there are teams traveling. Um, and in the USL, there are some fans allowed in stadiums. I know a lot of those are really limited, but um, that feels, on a, to me, from a safety perspective, that feels really premature. But that doesn't mean we couldn't start to see teams travel again and maybe that would be chartered flights i don't know hopefully it'd be something a little safer than public transit but with as spread out as the league is mm-hmm. couldn't really pull off like busing around uh the country <laughs> yeah so um yeah what does come after the challenge cup after um uh, yeah, well, what comes after? I mean, you're like I said, it's doubtful that a, a full season continues as COVID gets worse in Trump's America. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's different. Um, but even though there was, yeah, there's reports of a regional exhibition games tournaments like before the end of 2020 so you know utah could be playing rain and portland and 
I don't know how it would work, honestly, but I'm like, I guess half of the country here, half of the country over there. And, but yeah, it's hard yeah. because they were travel. They, mm-hmm. Were they yeah, talking like, about doing that in like clusters of three? Yeah. Yeah. Which, I Which don't know. It would be fine. Kind of weird. Yeah. Because it would be. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I do think we see probably some more NWSL games before the 2021 season kicks off. Yeah. And you want to keep, like, a lot of your players sharp, and they can't go, like, almost 10 months without any form of soccer. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's like how you just about adapting in this in these times, and yeah, so it'll be interesting because you're like, well, you have a Florida team, you have a Texas team, you have a Utah team. Those are kind of like southern ish. Um, and then you have Chicago. I think North Carolina is a lot more southern than uh, Utah. Okay, I did not mean like south, south. I mean like, you know, below the U.S. equator. <laughs> the U.S. equator. Uh, yeah, that's that could be a thing. The 45th parallel. Yeah, that one. That runs through Salem, Oregon, my hometown. Oh, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um. I don't know. How do you do it? How do you do regional tournaments? It's hard because every Utah's in its own region. You got Seattle or I'm sorry, Tacoma, Portland. They're close together. So they'll be playing each other for 20 games. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have Houston and Texas, Orlando Pride, and then like Sky Blue, Washington, North Carolina are about pretty close. So those would be easy. But then you have like little alone Chicago. So it's like, how's it going to work? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're the courage, you probably wouldn't want this, but I would think that it, they would get lumped in with the dash and the pride. Mm-hmm. And then you, even though they're, they're closest to um, the spirit. And then you would probably have to have Chicago, um, Washington and Sky Blue all together. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird, but either that or you make like you have those three teams: um, the Courage, Red Red Stars, and Sky Blue all be together, and you have oh, excuse me, um, yeah, the Courage, Washington, Sky Blue play together, and then you have Chicago, Houston, and Orlando just make their own big triangle. I don't think. I don't think there's any way that the Royals wouldn't be lumped in with the rain and the thorns if they, they do something regional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe you get it your own regional bubble. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Montana seems pretty safe. Why not go there? Um, Beautiful country, Montana. Mm, gotta love it. So, yeah. So, we wait and see. What happens next? Um, yeah. In other NWSL Challenge Cup headlines, the mighty courage 
fall to Portland, one to zero. How I, many people had their bracket busted? Got to be at least 98% of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it was not until like probably the 88th minute of that game when I was like, wait, the Courage might not win. Like, I, I thought they would get an equalizer at least because it's North Carolina. Like, of course they're going to win or at least get an equalizer and force it to penalties or they would have won for sure. <laughs> um, and it was like the clock was just like ticking down. I'm like, mm. like the realization was slowly coming over me. I'm like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. The Courage is, is going to be the first team to go out of the Challenge Cup. That's amazing. Yeah. I, because the Portland Thorns and Carolina Courage had already faced each other in the very first game of the Challenge Cup. And I believe it was the a Courage. Good game. Yeah. Courage won that game. Yeah, um, two to one. Mm hmm. So, yeah, it was, I was, I thought it was exciting. Um, to watch court the courage just like suffer defeat um because you're like oh if any team's gonna do it it's probably gonna be those thorny thorns um and they did and it's exciting in a variety of ways because you're like well now it's not gonna we're not gonna watch north carolina just power through this tournament and you know win again and continue their underdog um storyline um wait a minute though (laughs) is this all like a master plan um from paul riley to lose this at the first opportunity so we can always talk about losing the challenge comp and talk about how they're really underdogs and motivate the team that way because the Mm -hmm. 2021 iteration of the north carolina courage is going to be out for vengeance (laughs) it's true so if anything, we just created a monster. I think that is what happened. <laughs> but yeah, so exciting not to to actually watch another team that is going to win. Like it's going to come out on top of this and it's not who everyone expected. Um, and that's what makes the NWSL so exciting is because you think someone's going to win, but then actually this team wins. Um, yeah, and it's a team that has never, never won the NWSL championship. I know this is different, um, but that's really exciting to see. Yeah. Um, Super exciting. Like, yeah, obviously Chicago went to the final last year, but the Dash have never been in the playoffs, right? Mm-mm. Um, no. So, like, that's like that's cool. Like, you love to hear those stories, and we're not just all living in a North Car- Carolina Courage world. Um, mm. Other teams can do it, too. That's true. Um, And then what's more exciting is the Mighty Thorns are the next team to fall. Um, Because right now, the Courage and Portland are the two only active NWSL teams with a championship. Um, Western New York is done. Like, they became Courage, but FC Kansas City is sadly a part of history. And then you watch the Thorns lose... To Houston one to zero, and Houston eventually reaches the NWSL Challenge Cup final. Um, Houston is like has been fun to watch. They're gritty. They're yeah. They're a fun team. 
Which it's the dash because you're like it's the dash, but <laughs> <laughs> usually the dash is trash. <laughs> but not this dash. They're just flash. Oh. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um sorry. No, you're um, good. Do you think it does it feel better at all like emotionally if the dash is the team that sent Utah out, but they win the tournament? Like, is it better to to lose to the eventual winners than to like like North Carolina has to be so frustrated that <laughs> they lost to a, a team that had one decent game <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. Um, which the Portland goalkeeper is honestly the only reason Portland was able to get past North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, it's funny looking at, you know, um, North Carolina had four wins and one loss and Portland had what? Like the only win was the one against the courage. And then they had losses and a draw. Yeah, I don't think they, yeah, they did not. Who did the courage did not lose to anybody? Well, Portland, but other than that, yeah, they were, oh. they had won every game. I thought you meant like before. No, I just mean overall like it's it is kind of funny that um the courage have far more wins than Portland and mm. Portland sent them out. Let's see. So, yeah. Portland fell uh to the courage. Tied with Chicago, 0-0. Tied with Washington Spirit, 1-0. Tied with Rain, 0-0. Beat North Carolina, 1-0. Lost to the Dash, 1-0. Okay. Hmm. A lot of ties in there. Yeah, you know. It was a cup of draws. Um, And then you have Sky Blue and Chicago reach the semifinals. And Chicago always has a good team, even if they're like struggling a little bit. But Sky Blue was also a super fun team to watch. And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and that was last night's game. The eventual score was three to two in a goal fest. Um, yeah, we should at least note that um, the quarterfinal was one, one, zero win, oh, yeah. three, zero, zero draws that went to shootouts. Mm and then we get like a 1-0 win in the semifinals and I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's fun." And then we just get another goal fest that it really felt like Sky Blue might come back and force it to penalties. Yeah, I I mean, I think Sky Blue was when until the end, I think Chicago kind of lost steam a little bit. Um Yeah, well, I think we should point out just talking about Sky Blue in general. They have been really bad historically, and then Becca Morris joins them, and they get actually pretty good. Yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence. Not at all. I think that's the one change that they've made. There's been nothing else <laughs> Sky Blue has done differently. Sky Blue? Sky who? <laughs> no, they they have plenty of change. They have Mitch Purse. I know. Uh, a lot of... Sky Blue has has done so much to turn that ship around, which is great. Okay. Cause I was going to say, uh, have you been following the past? Sorry, year? I was making a hilarious joke that I, oh. I assume our listeners would understand. <gasps> so funny. <laughs> that was so good. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the Challenge Cup final is set for Saturday. Sunday. I'm sorry. Sunday. Thank you. Um, wow. Mm. Um, it's better to say Saturday than it and it to be on Sunday than to say Sunday and it to be on Saturday. <laughs> it's imagine that. Yeah. Um, so Red Stars versus versus Dash. Lucas, who's gonna win this? I think Chicago is. Ah. Oh. You're going to dash the hopes of the dash? I'm willing to dash those hopes. I I think it's going to be Chicago, and which probably means it will actually be Houston. Um, but let's look at it for, like, objectively. Mm. Julie Ertz. Mm-hmm. Scott Parkinson. Mm. Great jerseys. And on the other side... <laughs> You know, you've got Katie Stengel, <laughs> but you also have pretty good jerseys, not That's to true. mention Rachel Daly, who loves to score and also loves to score in the Royals. Mm-hmm. Um, Jane Campbell has come up big. They they actually have some other quality players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's my only point of reference for how these teams are. <laughs> No, I, I think they're both really good teams. I think the Dash has been probably the biggest surprise of the tournament. Um, For sure. Other, maybe the other surprise, just narrative speaking, would be Portland sending out uh, the Courage. But mm-hmm. the I don't think anyone expected the Dash to perform as well as they had. They had some big pieces leave in the yeah. offseason, one of which went to Chicago. Um, and so like, I think this is going to be a really interesting game for Watt because, you know, she's mm-hmm. played for both teams. Um, yeah. And I think she had a, a good performance last night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're both likable teams for me. Um, yeah. I think I like, I, I like how Houston has just, they have been a surprise team, but they also play, they're like kind of, gritty and they have like this little attitude um mm-hmm. but not like obnoxious you know what i mean um and then you have the red stars who have always been very dear just because they have players like casey short julie Ertz, Alyssa Nair. they just have very likable players too so it's kind of hard to not like the red stars and now with like scott parkinson you're like uh they're like that adorable um i don't know what the term i want to use um but they're just hard they're hard to like not like you know what i mean like there's always like a person you're just like you're just i can't find anything wrong with you you're like so nice um and that's what i think of when i think about the red stars where you're like yeah i I I agree. Like they're they're a fun team to watch, and they're a likable squad. Yeah. So it'll be good. I think whoever, whichever one of these teams wins will be exciting because neither of them have tasted that you know success of actually winning something in the NWSL. Um, from like, and if this is the only competition we get for 2020, you know, they're going to be the champions of 2020. Um, little asterisk, you know, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 
I won't be surprised if the Red Stars pull it off because they know how to win. But mm-hmm. the Dash would be fun to win because, yeah, nobody would, nobody expected. I don't think anybody could have predicted the Dash winning. And it would just be good, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's it's kind of fun that it's going to be someone new, and I don't think personally, like I won't be upset. However, the game ends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same. So that's Sunday on CBS. I believe the regular CBS channel. Am I wrong? I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, big don't big CBS. It's on broadcast television. There we go. Um. Cool. So tune in for that because that'll be fun and exciting way, cool way to cap off the tournament in Utah. Um, and other NWSL news, uh, LA is going to get an expansion team in 2022. The group has been, du- you know, called Angel City. Um, but they had like a super cool video. I'm like, oh, I'm so hyped right now for this. Um I'm like, I'm moving to L.A. (laughs) But um, so that's not going to be their official name. The official team name and the stadium will be announced by the end of this year. So look forward to that. But um, for now, it's known as Angel City. It's founded by Academy Award winning actress and activist Natalie Portman, technology venture capitalist Kara Nortman, media and gaming entrepreneur Julie Ehrman, and tech entrepreneur and venture capitalist Alexis Oh, How do you say his last name? <laughs> I, think, I think you named it. Uh, nailed it. Oh, Ohanian. Ohanian? Yeah. Who knows? He finally read it. I didn't know who he was until this news broke. Now, son of an undocumented immigrant is what his Twitter bio says. Nice. Yeah. Um, and the founder investor group, it's not done yet. It includes like a thousand famous people with money. Um, <laughs> if you know someone famous from Southern California or a former U.S. women's national team player, they're probably a part owner of this. It's true. You got Serena Williams, her daughter. Um the youngest owner in the history of everything. Um, actors Uzo Aduba, Jessica Chastain, America Ferreira, Jennifer Gardner, Eva Longoria, late night talk show host Lily Sa- Sang. I recognize so many of those names and can co- input faces to like some of them. Mm-hmm, I'm really mm-hmm. bad with celebrities. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but yeah, like Lucas said, U.S. national team players – uh, Julie Foudy, Mia Hamm, Richard Bueller, Shannon Box, Amanda Cromwell, Lori Fair, Ellen, Ronnie Fair Sullins, Joy Fawcett, Angela Huckles, Shannon McMillan, Tisha Venturi Hawk, and Saskia Weber, and then Laura Cheney Holiday, Abby Wambach, author and activist Glennon Doyle, Netflix VP Original Content, Cindy Holland, and then a bunch of other people that you're like, wow. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely the most impressive list and of owners and definitely in the the um, in NWSL, possibly just in sports. Like that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, it must be nice to pick up your phone and be like, hey, do you want to like join my founding team investing in women's soccer? You got to like, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I feel like if Natalie Portman called me and was like, do you want to be a part owner of a of a soccer team? It would be really hard to say no to that. Exactly. Um, uh. Yeah, it, it it is interesting because everyone kind of thought this team would be a part of LAFC. And then there were some rumors that, oh, maybe they would be a part of the Galaxy. And I kind of like that it's neither and it's a standalone team. Um, I think that is... I think that's cool. Uh-huh. Like I think being a part of a, you know, attached to an MLS team like the Royals has a lot of really big advantages. Mm-hmm. But also, when you have an ownership group like this, um, you can probably get by without, without having that system already built and build it yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's it's cool. It's exciting. And it's likely a destination for those big names that we know. Um, Alex Morgan, potentially. Kristen Press. I think if you are to look at even like rosters, you'll see that the NWSL has quite a few players that are from California. Amy Rodriguez is one of them. Uh, I believe Michelle Maybone's also from California. She is, Um, yes. So there's just a lot of California connections there. It is insane to me, though, that there has not been an NWSL team in California yet. Like, California is such a hotbed for, like, soccer and women's soccer. It's just mind-blowing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's, you know, because, like, yeah, you're right. Like, you, you would expect California to have a team because they're, you know, California and... They have like a million people there. Um, <laughs> more than that, obviously. But yeah, so all this LA and LA team, um, you know who's excited? The one and only Kristen Press. She posted on her Twitter um, just about, you know, how it's exciting. And I mean, of course you're going to be excited if you hear that, you know, your hometown is getting an NWSL team. But, you know, she posts, like, retweets, been waiting forever to say this, you know, welcome to the NWSL. And that was, like, it. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty innocent. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Um, and I know within, like, RSL Soapbox, we were like, well, there's a chance that press could go. It makes sense. Um, and I then mean, there were. She's. Yeah. It has always been pretty apparent that she wants to play in LA. Um, and I can't remember why I have that impression, but like, it seems like it's widely known that she, there's an LA team. She would very much want to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's her hometown. Like there's nothing wrong with that. For sure. For sure. So, and, and the interesting part of this is that, um, the whole tournament, um, she doesn't say anything about, Utah um she made a she released a statement why she wasn't playing but you know throughout the whole tournament I don't think she ever posted or said anything you know like Desiree Scott did not play in this tournament but every game she was supporting her team 
And that's not something we got out of press. And so obviously for the fan base, you know, your most important player who's not there to not show any kind of support, you know, it's not going to, it's not super encouraging, you know, um, which was funny because that was so Lucas, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have, to, we have to talk about that funny meme. Um, love a good meme yeah um and it it it, i mean a lot of people thought it was funny and it was you know it was good because you had like the typical like you know the couple walking and then this you know lady this guy like turns turns his attention to this like late no this girl this woman and then her girlfriend his girlfriend's like and you made obviously Oh, gosh, you think I would know this by now. But, you know, the girlfriend is appalled. And so that's Utah. Kristen Price is like the guy checking out. <laughs> yeah, the distracted boyfriend name is what it's called. Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, and you posted it with like the boyfriend is Kristen Press, And then the, the, the girl he's checking out is Angel City. And mm-hmm. it was funny. It was, I mean, you were just being silly. Yeah. Typical Lucas. Um, <laughs> but the stands got mad. Lucas, what did you do? Yeah, I, it, you know, it was interesting to see the reaction. I, I did know, you know, she has really passionate fans um, that some people were not going to like that um, because it, like, I didn't mean it for, for it to be disrespectful. It's just like a silly meme of, I do think Kristen Press is legitimately interested in playing for Angel City, just like I think Alex Morgan and probably many of the players in the league would be interested in living in LA and playing for LA. If you have followed um, MLS at all, like you know forever, LA Galaxy was the team that players wanted to go to and they got all this preferential treatment and always had the best players. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it makes sense that if um, an L.A. team is entering the league um, that, yeah, you would want to play for them. Um, Mm -hmm. So I made a meme about press because, um, you know, she is the first player that said anything on the team I cover. It's also been widely known that she wants to be in L.A. Um, And I got accused of uh, racism for that because she is. Um, a person of color and so that was surprising yeah yeah and and I mean I even tweeted where I was like this is very unacceptable behavior there's you know like yes of course it's okay for press to go want to play for her hometown team that makes sense sorry to clarify what is unacceptable behavior oh thank you Lucas, you making that meme. Uh-huh. It's fine <laughs> if you feel that way. Yeah, you know, just gotta stand hard. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> but um I'm sorry, just the behavior to get very offended and attack you when attack you and your character. Um, that's a line that people are crossing. Um, first of all, they don't know you, they don't know, you know, who you are. If they knew you, they would know that you're not a racist and you cover this team heavily and you um, have 
praises for Kristen Press. I think all of us on the staff have praised Kristen Press because she is a phenomenal footballer. But um, I, I think the overreactions from particular fans is the kind of behavior that we see from people that are just so invested in one particular figure. Um, and it's just, it, it's very toxic and you create a very toxic environment for, um, you know, those, for people who, first of all, sp spend their time, money, um, covering the league and, you know, some do it for free. Like some do it because they're passionate about this game. Um, not everyone covering women's soccer is a paid writer or a paid photographer. Like a lot of people are doing this because they love this game and they love the NWSL and they, you know, appreciate the team they have. And so it, it's, it's unacceptable to just attack someone just because they made a funny meme or if – we don't give Kristen Press enough praise. Um, anything that's not, if we're, if you're not praising Kristen Press, if you say anything negative about Kristen Press, it attracts this negative reaction from certain people. And yeah, I mean, one thing that was really surprising to me is someone found a tweet Virgil had from over two years ago asking RJ, I think it was like a listener question for her podcast. Um, if like, it was something so innocently phrased, like, is there like the slightest, smallest, tiniest possibility that Kristen press just might, might be slightly overrated. And like someone posted that and a bunch of people were just outraged that anyone from the RSL soapbox staff or the URFC show could possibly say something like that. And I think that's a perfectly valid question to ask if, you know, you have this huge international star and in 2018, you know, it was not her strongest year. It was her weakest year in the league. If you look at her own statistics, it's fine to ask that question. And mm -hmm. to look at a player as being so above criticism or critique is not healthy, in my opinion. Um, I think, you know, we are... Um, yeah, you know, we are in this because we love the game, but I think we also try to take, for, for the most part, like we have fun with it, but some level of journalistic in, integrity in what we do. And to say we're not going to question or critique a player, um, I think would be a disservice to our listeners, to our readers. Um, we're not here to just say, oh my gosh, like, my favorite player is the best player ever and has never made a mistake. Like that doesn't do anyone any good. And you know what? If you're a fan and you feel that, that's fine. Um, you can truly believe Kristen Press is the greatest player that has ever lived. You know, she is a phenomenal player. Like I fully believe that. Um, but I think to attack people for disagreeing or being silly about something, like make a silly reaction to something she did, um, like that, that feels unhealthy. And yeah, like I've never gotten like yeah, I've never gotten as much hate in my life as on uh, Tuesday when I posted that. Um, and the thing that I think sticks with with me is like just people attacking like my motive, like 
someone was saying like these Utah reporter reporters are having aneurysms over Kristen Press, like saying, welcome to the, to the NW cell to LA. And to me, like, I thought it was totally fine. She said that. I also think kind of making a joke about her widely known interest in playing in LA was also valid. And, but then, yeah, being accused of racism, like a whole bunch of times, um, when like, as a white male, like I know I have biases and prejudices that exist in my own heart. And I feel like I'm, I am trying to work on that and be aware of those things. Um, but to, yeah, to be called a racist or something like that is, it's pretty harsh. Yeah. And I engage with, um, a few of them and, um, even just like private messaging of like, Hey, like, what did you mean by Cause apparently like the show, you know, a couple of, I think a year ago during the world cup, we talked about Desiree Scott. And so that listener felt very, um, like we were singling out. Um, I don't think I was a part of that show, but like we're talking about Desiree Scott. And so because she is, um, a black soccer player, it was like, because we were just talking about her and, and just her time with the Canadian national team, it was like semi-racist. And I'm like, those are just very serious allegations because we are in a time with where racism is a serious issue. And, you know, we, yes, I like, I think RJ, RJ said it best. She wrote about it in her um, declarations of the Royals court. She's like, you know, yes, call it out. You know, if racism, we do have a responsibility to call it out and um, stand up and speak out against it and, you know, protest and take action. You know, we that's what we have to do as, as a society, as individuals. But to twist the narrative because Krista Press is a person of color um, she and, you know, you're – a white writer to kind of twist the narrative to make it about race is is going too far and um, a little scary that somebody could immediately do that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 like we obviously get the blunt of it because we cover Kristen Press. You know, people are like, well, why didn't you say anything about Alex Morgan or, you know, Tobin Heath? I'm like, well, we don't really cover Tobin Heath or Alex Morgan. You know, like they're outside our realm of coverage. Um, And but anyone who's covered like we're, we're not like the victims and there's no way like we're trying to play victims in this situation. Um, We're definitely we're just calling out toxic behavior that is is not acceptable to um, attack people just because they didn't they don't they didn't praise press or like oh yeah totally go of yeah. course we understand that if press is going to go want to play in LA that's valid and it'll be heartbreaking for Utah fans and Utah will lose a very very good player and attacker. Um, but if you as a fan take that personal, that is really a personal problem more than like the writer you're calling out. So 
Yeah, and um, I f- it felt important to me to to sort of check and be sure like I wasn't way off on that. Like, um, it was nice to hear like from you, from some other people who write for SB Nation that cover. Then did we sell that? Like, no, what you posted was really innocuous. Um, mm-hmm. It does feel a little like it feels concerning to sort of weaponize like mm-hmm. racism because you know a writer says something you don't like about your favorite player yeah yeah it also felt significant to me that none of these people were people who like followed me already or that i followed or interacted with regularly it's like all people that as far as i could tell it was my first interactions with on online yeah yeah and like a lot of these people just came out i mean like came out of nowhere and I was like, are these bots? Is this Russia? Yeah. <laughs> Is this Russia? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's not new. Chicago media saw it too. Like, I think those who were covering Houston, who expected Houston and wrote about it, you know, got heat too. So it, it's 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 just unfortunate that such a wonderful human being like Kristen Presses, nice, kind. I mean, my interaction with her, um, you've talked to her, we've interviewed mm-hmm. her, we've been in press conference, you know, like after game press pressers. She's incredibly kind and the nicest human on the planet, I think. And yeah. for her to attract these kind of like fans that are just a little too much. I don't think I I I don't think Kristen Press would validate what you're doing. Um, I don't think Kristen Press will defend you for you know online bullying. It's almost like just attacks. That's not you know. So <laughs> R.J. Allen said. Um, at the end of the day, Kristen Press doesn't know who you are, and she doesn't care. Um, but save that desire to defend, save the ang- you know, like use the anger, the righteous indignation for systematic racism, for true sexism, for women's sports getting four percent of the coverage. Save, save it for that. Like use your anger towards that for people who belittle women's soccer and women's sports, not for the people who give their own time and money to help cover the sport. Who are fans of it um so hmm. yeah anyway so there's a chance kristen press will go to um la in 2022 and we'll probably cover it and we shall pray for that time <laughs> yeah that's a that's a problem for the future mm, we can just start our prior chain now um anyway just know that i got your back and you are a great writer and media person and yeah that's all i wanted to say yeah well thank you yeah um well since we're in the note of you know potential player moves Hmm. anything else we should discuss I think somebody else is moving. Do you think we'll get any Sam Mewis stance if we talk about this? (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it is just disgusting that Sam Ewis would want to go to Manchester. Just kidding. Yeah. So uh, of all yeah, teams, of all teams, teams. <laughs> uh, we're making it sound like that uh, we're Manchester United fans or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, pretty big news. Uh, Meg Linehan, who breaks everything, of course, broke the story that Sam Ewis um, is basically set to go to Manchester City. Um, and it's a one year contract and Rose Lavelle is likely was extended the same uh, contract offer. Like that's way out of left field for me. Does that surprise you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's wild because usually, usually, um, the U S soccer federation is like, no, you got to stick to the NWSL. Like you can't try not to go overseas Try not to do that. I know that there's been some exceptions. I think Crystal Dunn went overseas. Carly Lloyd went overseas. Alex Morgan um, went overseas. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it looks like it's it's okay again. But I mean, players want to play, you know. Um, players, you know, it seems like, and this is like the rumors, was like, do not be surprised if, we see more NWSL players heading overseas to Europe, um, especially because the NWSL is disrupted by COVID and 2020 is pretty much done. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, it'll be, it'll be kind of cool. Um, yeah. I mean, and it could work out really well of, you know, if you are, a national team player like Mewis or Lavelle, you sign a one-year deal, you go over, you basically play till the Olympics, you play the Olympics, and then you could come back to the NWSL for the second half of the season. Um, do you know what the rules are on them re-entering the league? Like, would, let's say, you know, would North Carolina have the first rights to Mewis or um, would Lavelle have the first rights to, or would... Uh, Washington have like Lavelle's rights. Do you know how that works? Cindy? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay. Um oh, you were asking if they were. So um I th- from Meg's article, um I think they're still with North Carolina, like I don't think, or like their individual players, but um, like they could come back and join whatever team, like their yeah, like North Carolina does maintain their rights. Um, so if they do plan to return to the NWSL, they they can do that. Um, let me see, let me see. I don't know much. I'm trying to think about because it's not. Is it a loan? I don't think it's a loan. I think it's, um, yeah. I mean, it's them essentially operating as free agents, um, because they don't have a contract with their respective clubs, um, but you know those clubs might have their rights should they return to the league. Yeah. That's true. Um, 
I think I I mean Lavelle can come back. So yeah, so North Carolina will retain Mewis's rights and she can come back to the courage. Unless she's like, I don't want to, then you know, US soccer can work it out. It's it's so different because they're contracted with US soccer, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's because I'm trying to think about Carly Lloyd went, but she came back. Um, Rapino came, but she came back to her NWSL team. So yeah, yeah, Riley did too. But she she before she was at Arsenal, she was at I think at a different NWSL team, right? Other than uh, the Courage, where she ended. Yeah, so she went after um, FC Kansas City, and so FC Kansas City. Uh-huh reserved her rights and then since utah absorbed all of those players utah had her rights until she they got traded to north carolina gotcha that's a lot um mm-hmm. but yeah i i mean i doubt that sam Mewis is like i don't want to play for north carolina ever again um it seems like sam Mewis and rose lavelle enjoy their club team so it's more about just keep playing, you know, and or maybe they're trying to position themselves for, uh, you know, L.A. in twenty twenty two. Yeah, L. <laughs> just kidding. I doubt there that's what's happening here, but you never know. It's the L.A. team is basically just going to be the U.S. national team. <laughs> oh man, um, they would do well in the league. Oh, they would totally. North Carolina, who? Yeah. They'd really be underdogs then. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be, you know, just a hype speech. It'd be like, you guys, for the underdogs, we are probably literally going to lose all of our games. Yeah. For real. Um, but yeah, more could follow because people want to play, man, and Europe seems to be safe. And... America is not doing very well with COVID. Four million cases. I we reached three million two weeks ago. Yeah, it's it's real bad. It's like it's like people are not even trying anymore. They're like, yeah, whatever, COVID. Yeah. So uh, please vote in the fall. Unrelated to this conversation, good thing to do. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Um, well, sh- sh- no. Yeah, listener questions. I feel like is probably what you're about to say before I interrupted you. You read my mind. Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I can ask the first one. Sophie yeah. uh, Lawson asks: um, Is the team lacking a clear identity with the current personnel? Which is your biggest area of concern on the pitch? Hmm. Right now, it feels like, yeah, there is a lack of identity, but it's probably, in my estimation, being formed. Um, mm-hmm. They are kind of learning Craig Harrington's approach um, and that, you know, that that takes some time. I think they want to be more attacking focused than they had been previously. I think their old identity was very strong. Uh, a very strong defensive team um and they've done actually they've done quite well defensively through the tournament but yeah i think mm-hmm. my biggest area of concern is 
why they're not creating better chances, why they're not finishing chances. Yeah, I, I agree. And with a new coach and, you know, with a new head coach and new players coming in and, and I'm very, uh, uh, oh, COVID time. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. Um, these are not normal times. So, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, for sure. You're missing your identity. You're missing your star key player. This team is figuring out who they are. And, but I think I trust, I don't know why I'm like, like I always said, I was like, Harvey's got us. Harvey's got the team. And, but there's just something about Her- Craig Harrington that I'm like, he, I, I don't know. There's like, I trust him basically. Um, he seems to care a lot about the team. Um, so for now, yes. And there's work to do. And, but yeah, we, I don't think defense is a problem. Midfield's not the problem either. Um, I am curious to see Vera though, because I believe she'll be out of contract this, after this year. Mm. I think so. So. But if Vera wants to win, she will stay with Utah. Anyway, um, so, yeah, Sophie, that's what we're thinking. Um, Touch of Grace asked about RJ's article. Where do we stand on immediate moves, traits, etc. that the Royals need to make to be successful? How does that short-term differ from long-term? RJ believes that the team needs to get younger. Um, and one of those ways is to trade your two big um, international stars, which is Press and O'Hara. Matheson um, also, even you know, even though she was, she scored a goal in the first game, um, Kana didn't see much from her the rest of the tournament. Yeah, I agree with um, that. Yeah. Um, who else? Who else? Scott, so you're talking about, you know, like all your players who are those early 30s to mid 30s to those players. And RJ thinks we should get younger and trade Press and O'Hara. Yeah. What do you think, Lucas? Um, I have not had a chance to read RJ's article yet. I have the tab open. I've just been preoccupied with other things even though i do really want to read it how dare you i know um so basically her uh main take is that um she's like there's got to be traits cuts um they need the team has to get younger it doesn't matter how many players utah has born in the 80s versus the 90s it's not about overall players, but about key players. Barnhart, Matheson, Rodriguez, Barrow, Scott, O'Hara, John Stoddard, Press, Lido, and Corsi are all in their 30s. And this is very nearly their choice for a starting 11 right there. Mm-hmm. Um, this team should focus on growing King, Radcliffe, and bringing in players who were born during the first term of Bill Clinton's presidency. <laughs> <laughs> 
having younger players gives them a chance to turn them into superstars, like the way Chicago, North Carolina, Portland, and others have done. Um, yeah, it's, she thinks it's harder to change the style of older players, after all. And so the Utah roster is actually older, and with each passing year, players like King and Del Falba help, but they can't be the only solution. Yeah, I mean, all teams go through cycles. You know, obviously, North Carolina Courage um, is in the middle of, you know, this cycle where they're really strong, that they, you know, they got players that were a little younger, that were good, kind of untested, um, and who have kind of all turned out really, really well. Um, or like an example is Tottenham is clearly at the end of a cycle of with a team that, was really promising and didn't really win a lot. You kind of hope that the Royals would do some with the crew they have um, and some tweaks here and there, like bringing on Barrow, bringing press would have been enough to like get them over that line. Um, Mm -hmm. That clearly hasn't happened yet. I'm not quite at the point to where I'm sort of saying like, okay, we need to make like wholesale changes. Um, I think we're about a year, if not two years out from, you know, those players in their thirties are going to probably be more of a drop off or yeah, or going to retire. Like surely Barney is not going to go more than a year or two after this year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I agree that you need to focus on those younger players. And that's why they hired Craig Harrington was to develop younger players and bring in younger players. And, but at the same time, you still kind of need that veteran presence. Um, So there's gotta be a balance. Um, Yeah. But you're right. Yeah. yeah, You don't want to send out all, you know, (laughs) because that team is going to not only get torn to shreds, but, it's going to be really demoralizing. Like there needs to be, you know, a process in how you transition. For sure. For sure. So sure. Bring on the youth, but also realize that your veterans are key. So it's, yeah. So obviously prepare for the future, but um, I think Laura Harvey just had so much pressure to win. And so she went after the experienced player and experienced players. And um, that can only do so much, um, especially when your key experienced players have to leave a lot for, like, you know, international duty. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that answered your question. Um, and then at John 8, John 8, John 8, are you all planning on anything content-wise after the Chaos Cup? I'm sad about the podcast. <laughs> I'm sad about the podcast season being so short too. And there is a salsa recipe coming. I have not seen anything. Yeah, where's the salsa I- recipe? Yes, Mr. John eight eight. Wait, John maybe I should eight. check the message requests because if we're not following him, that could just be uh, stuck in that filter. Uh, nope. Oh. Nope. Not in there. Although we did get one about Charles Perry Perry said hello to us on June 28th and nothing else. Ah, man. Apparently there was somebody from JJ Post from Once a Metro 
We reached out about. Oh, yeah. Nobody responded. What a bunch of jerks that Utah Royals FC show. Uh, Hello. If you're with one to Metro, send us a message on Slack. We actually look at that a little bit more. Oh, we are terrible people. Um, um, I mean, we'll talk about soccer every once in a while. If not, we could turn this into some other kind of podcast. I think, yeah, I think we'll... I mean, I would like to do some more player interviews, maybe get someone from the coaching staff on. Um, it'd be nice to, you know, it was great to talk to Abby during the um, tournament. It'd be mm-hmm. nice to kind of debrief with a player or coach and see, you know, their perspective oh, yeah. after. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll keep going. It won't be like weekly, but we definitely try to be relevant monthly or bi-weekly but yeah because now we're like what are we going to talk about salsa um maybe the next episode we will do will be talking about that salsa recipe that i'm still waiting for we could just do an episode of us making it like (gasps) in our own respective kitchens and then just eating it loudly crunching chips on the show and talking about what it tastes like (laughs) we should i do have this really good salsa recipe that I always make. Um, it's the Pioneer Woman's recipe. Um, and I always take it to like whenever, you know, it's like a potluck and you have to bring things. Not anymore because you're not supposed to share things with people. But um, <laughs> no more sharing. You know. Sharing is the opposite of caring now. Don't share. Don't share your COVID with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that'd be really fun. Yeah. We should have salsa. And then we're each other's judges. So I'm like the judge for my salsa and you're the judge for your salsa. And then we decide who the winner is. Let's do it. Or we could have a guest salsa maker. And yeah. (laughs) There's so many options with salsa and podcasting. I feel like this is an untapped market. It's true. Which I was telling somebody yesterday. Um, there really is a podcast for everything these days. I mean, oh, Matt yeah. Montgomery talks board games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think at least 75% of Americans are on some podcast. It's true. It's true. Um, well, that's, that's all I got. You got anything else, Lucas? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Well, Thanks for listening to episode 101. Be nice to everyone who writes about Kristen Press. And uh, we'll share that salsa recipe if it's okay with John 8, John 8, John 8. Um, And if not, we'll just catch you on episode 102 next time.